0: I'm fantasy author Elle Penelope, and welcome to My Imaginary Friends, a look behind the scenes of an author mapping the worlds in my head and making them a reality. Hello, friends. Today is Sunday, October 6th, 2019, and this is episode 35 of My Imaginary Friends. I'm Leslie. So this week had a lot of best things. This was actually a really good... A really good week, a really full week, packed with a lot of things happening. So let me rewind and start from the beginning. I'll do them in chronological order to make it easier for myself to remember. On Monday, I finished the synopsis for book four of The Earth Singer Chronicles. Now, if you've been listening for a while, you will know that I've been struggling my way through figuring out what this book is, Um, did the fast draft, but still didn't know everything. But on Monday, like it all came together. It all coalesced into a story that I understood. (laughs) Like, I knew what happened. I figured out what happens to everybody at every point in time. I know their motivations. I know where they end up. Like, I always knew where they ended up, but I know the steps in between. And I might not know every minute detail, but like, I have the whole picture there are dogs in here right now. We're being noisy and licking and things. So if you hear that effect coming through on the microphone, sorry, they're, they're both in here at the same time, which is unusual. So anyway, I know the story. Um, I just, all the pieces fell together in a way uh, over the course of getting this synopsis written. So my synopsis is like 11 pages long which is fine. It's, it's, it's more detailed than anyone else would need. But, um, I tried to put in the details so that I'll remember as I go through, you know, this is what they're feeling. This is why this is a reminder of what happened in a previous book to why they're doing this. So I feel really good about this. And, um, you know, the whole process was with, with like knowing all of these pieces and then, and then putting them together. It's, it is kind of like a puzzle, but it's also like, um, Sherman's on some medication, so we use these pill pockets to give him his pills. And we come to the end of the bag, and pill pockets are really expensive. Um, so we we actually split them in half and then like fit, you know, pills into so we can get two out of each one. And at the end, at the bottom of the bag, you're left with all these little pieces of these pill pocket things. And so I was trying to mash them all together and get one. <laughs> like one pill pocket of all these crumbles and it didn't work. It was, it was just too crumbly and they wouldn't stick together. I guess I could have like wet it a little bit, but when I was doing that, I was like, this is like putting my plot together, like taking all these little pieces that I know and try to mash it into something that is one cohesive entity. And um, luckily doing it with my plot worked a little bit better than doing it with the pill pockets. But um, yes, so that was Monday's best thing. Tuesday's best thing was the release of Whispers of Shadow and Flame, book two. And um, so I did actually manage to write. I got up early and um, I met a friend on Google Hangouts and we wrote in the morning. And then I started doing like the social media posts, which I had not planned well. Like the good planning that I did was to pre-schedule my newsletter post. So I had done that over the weekend. So I didn't have to worry about that. That just sent out at 6 a.m. and it was fine. I did not pre-schedule the social media posts which I should have done and so I actually had to go like take a picture of the book or me with the book and then post it and then a lot of the day is responding to is responding to everyone's posts and um yeah the blog tour is going on and there is reviews being posted and things like that so Tuesday was really great I also um I had sent the synopsis to my brother for his feedback, because he's like my first feedback person. And so Tuesday, we had a a nice long conversation about his thoughts about it, and, you know, the strengths and weaknesses. Because even though it's done, doesn't mean it's done, done. It just means like, this is a huge milestone in, in this whole process of me understanding the story and all of the details from the story and coming into focus. So talked about that. I had a really nice chat with an author um, who was very generous and about telling me about experiences that she'd had. And so that was really amazing. And yeah, Tuesday was a great day. And then we went out to dinner, me and my husband, to celebrate the book launch. Um, Wednesday and Thursday were a little bit low key, or maybe it was just a blur after release day. I did take the train up to New York on Thursday because Friday morning was my signing at New York Comic Con. So, Friday, uh, I met one of the publicists at St. Martin's to get into Comic Con. And yeah, it was, um, it was great. It was early enough that, you know, there were a lot of people there, but it wasn't as crowded as it was going to be later on. So the signing went really well. Um, we gave away a total of 50 books, um, split between Song of Blood and Stone and Whispers of Shadow and Flame. And I signed, you know, obviously I signed them all and I met a bunch of great people and, that was really fun. I actually really liked doing the signings. And um, so afterwards, I didn't have anything else planned. I was just going to spend some time at Comic-Con and then later on meet a friend for dinner and then take the train back home. So uh, I started walking around the exhibit hall. And so by the time I finished my signing, it was um, 11.30, 11.45, and a lot more people had come. And so it was... A lot more crowded, and at that point, really difficult just to walk down certain pathways, just because of the crush of people, and also because um, people would would stop and like get the co- and you know take pictures of the cosplayers, or you know if you saw a Harley Quinn over there and a Joker over there, you get them together, and or you saw like three different types of Harley Queens, um, or you know whatever character they were, and and there was a there was a Superman who was taking pictures with, I don't even. Like, a lot of people I didn't even recognize. I had no idea what they were dressed up as. But a lot of really cool, interesting cosplayers. And so, yeah, they would they would stop and take these pictures. Like, there were, like, four Spider-Men at one point. Um, and they started posing. And so everybody would stop around them and start taking pictures. And then the traffic would clog. And um, so that was an issue also. But, I mean, it's not like you have, I had anywhere to be in any specific time. And so I walked around for an hour. And then I got something to eat. And then I went to my friend Cerise's booth. Cerise Rennie Murphy has a booth there every year and she sells her books and she was there with author Lynn Emery. And I was just sitting resting at that point. I was pretty tired. Um, But just watching them kind of work the crowd and sell and they're there for all four days in their booth. That is not my ministry. Like my hat is so far off to them. I just... I can do that for a few hours, like, and I think it's kind of fun, you know? It's, 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 um, to kind of pitch the book and, and to see who might be interested in it. And the people who you don't necessarily think are interested are the ones who buy it a lot of times. But for four days at Comic Con, oh my gosh, like, seriously, cheers. Cause couldn't do it. Oh, and, um, Cerise just had a book release. Um, the Wolf Queen Part 2 just came out on Thursday. So um, definitely check that out. P- check out Part 1 first, obviously. But The Wolf Queen, it's uh, epic fantasy in this um, African-inspired world. It's fantastic. Lots of action and um highly recommend it. So check out The Wolf Queen by Cerise Rennie Murphy. I'll put a link in the show notes too. But as I was sitting there, I was like, this is quite overwhelming. And also, I started feeling sick. So I, I think I mentioned last week I was going to do gluten-free for October because of this test that I took. And I'm trying to, October's so so full and so busy, and I would really like to um, just have as much energy as possible. And I know when I stop eating gluten, because I am reactive to it, I do have more energy and I'm less fatigued. And so this was my plan. Um, of course, it's a lot more difficult to do when you're traveling, but you know, there's like a food court. Um, there's actually a couple of different like places for food at the Javits Center, which is where New York Comic Con is. And so I stopped and I got something healthy. I got a poke bowl, which was basically just rice and chicken and vegetables. And, um, there's a couple of things that I, you know, told them not to put on it. And I had read the ingredients list and everything looked fine, but, um, it still made me sick. Now, I'm not going to go into everything because I'm sure you're super interested in all of my like digestive issues, but I, you know, I've had these issues for a very long time and that's, and there's kind of, I'll get sick and not know why. Like I'll eat regular things that I think are okay and then bam. So I felt an onset of this thing happening and I knew that I was in for like four hours of incredible pain and, uh, nausea. And I was like, I don't think I can stay here any longer. So I said goodbye to my friends and, um, I left. I was like, I'm going to go home and I catch an earlier train. I texted my friend who I was supposed to have dinner with and apologized. It was a combination of the overwhelm and of knowing that I was in imminent uh, danger. Not danger, but like things are going to get bad pretty soon. So, but going home required that I go back, get my bag, go take a train, the subway to the train station, to Penn Station, and change my ticket and get on a train and be three hours on the train to go home. And uh, so I started this, the beginning of this journey. <laughs> and I was, at one point I was very concerned that I was going to vomit on 11th Avenue. And while I'm sure that's not the worst thing that's ever happened on 11th Avenue, I did not want that to happen to me. So I stopped and I got a ginger ale at the uh, drugstore. And there has been this meme going around, which is like, black people, ginger ale is not medicine. And I'm like, sometimes ginger ale is medicine. Like, didn't like fix things but it prevented me from actually throwing up so that was very nice I I I appreciate ginger ale in those instances so luckily by the time I got to the subway I the nausea had subsided for a bit I was able to make the trip without any issues aside from being in incredible pain so usually when this happens I'm home and I could just get in the bed and curl up for like until it passes but I have I have had it happen when I'm out and it's unpleasant to say the least So thankfully, thankfully I made it home. Um, I was able to get in the bed and rest and start to recuperate from that exciting adventure. But overall, even though the end was kind of a bummer, um, I did have a good time. My husband and I have talked about trying to go to San Diego Comic-Con just as, you know, spectators, even if I'm not doing anything author-y there. But after this, I'm just not sure. Like, I think it would be different if I had, like, some scheduled things that uh, I was going to go to, and, like, I had a plan of attack. I had no plan. You know, even if I hadn't gotten sick, I probably would have left anyway because it was just a lot. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, I don't think that I'm the target audience necessarily. Like, as much as I love sci fi and fantasy, um, it just, being there, I don't know, maybe if if I had planned ahead and tried to do some of, the, like, the celebrity things, but I'm not really interested in that, like, I I, I walked by, so Tymok from um, The Last Dragon, he had a table there and he was signing pictures and stuff, and I was like, oh, I wonder if I should get a picture signed by Tymok, and then I was like, what would I do with that? <laughs> It'd be cool to say that I met him and get a picture with him, but, like, other than posting it on social media, eh, so... That's kind of my feeling about everything. Like, if I if I happen to meet somebody that I admire and I think is really cool and has inspired me personally, then that, that's a great experience. But just meeting up with celebrities, you know, my brother is actually, you know, friends with famous people and I've met some. And so maybe the sheen is just not there for me like it is for some other people. I almost sound so cheap, like, oh, I hang out with famous people all the time, which is not, not the case. But like... uh I just yeah maybe it's just not for me. <laughs> Other things that happened. So last weekend, before the big breakthrough with the synopsis, I had um, I'd been working on the synopsis for a couple of days, and so I realized I needed to do, to do some research. I, I decided I was going to put a scavenger hunt in the book as you know something that one of the characters has to do, or something similar to a scavenger hunt. Like I was doing research on scavenger hunts because my world is an alternate 1920s type of world. So I just wanted to see when did scavenger hunts become a thing. And apparently it was in the 1930s, at least in America, the uh, elites, you know, were brought it from someplace in Europe. Some woman, I can't remember her name now, but she was responsible for starting a lot of like scavenger hunts in New York city that uh, the rich people did during the depression. And so, um, the movie My Man Godfrey came up as, I think, the first instance in film that had is a scavenger hunt. So I think that was a 1936 movie. And um, so I was like, oh, I should watch this movie for research. I love old movies. I grew up watching old movies because my mom loved them. And so um, it was on Amazon Prime. And I was like, yes, I'm going to do this. And it was legitimate research because even in the 1930s is a little later than I picture my um, my series being in. It's, it's close enough, you know, Siri thought I was talking to her for some reason. Siri is scary. So anyway, I sat down and I watched My Man Godfrey and it is one of the funniest movies I have seen in a very long time. It is hilarious. If you have Amazon Prime, I highly recommend you watch it if you can stand 1930s movies and a lot of people can't, but, um, yeah, so funny, really funny. Now, it is, I don't know if it would be, like, a romantic comedy, because there is a romance plotline, but 1930s romances worked differently than they do now. So, like, for me, there's, um, there was a guy, there was Godfrey, and there were two sisters, and up until the very end, I wasn't sure which of the sisters he was going to end up with. There was one who was very sweet, but completely off a rocker, like, They're these entitled rich sisters. And the other one was 100% bitch, you know, and it could have gone either way as far as I was concerned. And then the way that they resolved it is not something that would fly today. It's always interesting to see these old movies and to see the interplay between men and women and how, and how it has changed. So I actually had to, I actually rewatched it, like fast forwarding certain parts immediately afterwards, because I was like, wait, what? how did that? When did that? I wanted to see the point at which these people, the movie told me that these people were right for each other. And it was so subtle as to not be there at all. Hilarious movie, highly recommended. The romance aspect is a bit suspect, but um, I still enjoyed it. Research can be very fun. Other news. Um... I discovered that the pre-order is up for Cry of Metal and Bone, which is book three in Earth Singer Chronicles. And I will link to that in the show notes. Book two does sort of end with a cliffhanger. So uh people, I know that whenever that happens, they are like, when can I get book three? And I'm like, well, I can tell you it's going to be May 19th, 2020, and you can pre-order it right here. So I don't consider it like a, a hard evil cliffhanger, but it's definitely a break in the story. And that is partially because when I initially wrote Whispers, it wasn't going to be a cliffhanger. But the story expanded beyond what I thought it was. And I realized after beating my head against a wall for a few months, that I had to split it into two books. And um, that had not been my initial plan with the series. But it ended up working up, working out really nicely. And uh, except for the fact that I had to put a cliffhanger when I I didn't necessarily intend to, but I tried to make it as like resolution and then open door as possible, which I think is the best kind of cliffhanger, not like throw the book against the wall cliffhanger. Anyway, in reading, I read two really great books. Um, I did get to read The Orchid Throne by Jeffy Kennedy, and it's really a beautiful book. It's a beautiful slow burn, like intro to the trilogy that has. It gave me a very like Padme Amidala vibe with um, our main character, the the queen, the Orchid Queen, and uh, because see, there's these elaborate gowns and makeup that she wears, and she's has to put on this whole persona, and that aspect was really fascinating to me. I loved the hero, and uh, yeah, it's it is. It's I don't want to call it slow because I was never bored while reading it. When it, like a book is truly slow, I'm like. Um, most times I won't finish it. I had no problem finishing it, but it is contemplative, I guess, or she's really laying groundwork and, um, is not, it's not a fast pace, but it's definitely worth it. And it's definitely like evocative and really emotional. So I recommend that. I also read Before She Ignites by Jodie Meadows, which, um, I really loved as well. Like, I'm going to be at an event with her um, next May, and so if whenever possible, if I'm, when I'm at events with people, I try to at least check out their books to see if I can, you know, hopefully I'll like them and be able to really talk about them with them or recommend them to people. Unfortunately, I did. If I don't, I just don't say anything. But um yeah, I know she had gotten a little bit of flack when this book came out because there is the main character is black and there's a, a black woman on the cover. It's a YA, and I thought the the flack was bullshit honestly like it was like oh well apparently it was the first black girl in a pretty dress YA cover I could be wrong about this but this is my recollection and the chatter was that 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 should have gone to a black author which is fine but it is not Jodie Meadows fault she had no control over that and I don't think that she should should have been called out on that at all and so um and not only is the main character black to my mind, everybody in the book is at least black or brown, which is I was not expecting. Because a lot of times you'll see what with white authors, um, you know, people are trying to, to write more diversely, and I totally support that. And, you know, I thought she did, she did a great job of putting in details that showed that she had done research, um, and it, it felt, you know, well done to me. Even more so that every single person in this world seems to be black, or the ones that we've met, the ones who, whose skin color was described, were, were all brown. And I was like, I I was just super impressed by that because that is not what I expected. And aside from that, that is actually not the reason why I I liked it, but the story was great too. But that was like the cherry on top for me because it was, um, it was unexpected. So it's, uh, yeah, I I fell in love with the story. There's dragons, there's little like cute little dragons and big dragons and um, recommend that one too. So if you're looking for something very good to read, I I plan to read the rest of the trilogy. It's complete now. And um, yeah, good reading times. I also saw that a new podcast came out this week. And um, so I, I was looking through it and checking it out. And then I saw that it launched with three episodes and a Patreon. And that caused me a little bit of pause. Like, I totally think that artists should get paid for their work. I think I support a lot of Patreons. I support podcasts and artists and YouTubers. Um, I fully believe that Patreon is a great thing for supporting people. But I only support people after I've consumed their content for a while and, and they've proven that they are reliable with their schedule, you know, they put it out regularly, the the content is of high quality, like, I like it, I can recommend it, I get some value from it, whether it's entertainment or information or whatever. After maybe a few months of that, I will say, okay, let me check out their Patreon and support them. I don't support anybody on the first day that they launch something, And obviously it's, it's, it's optional, so I don't have to, but like, I got, I don't know, I just felt some type of way about launching with a Patreon and maybe it's just my own hangups. Um, I, I do think it's a little bit presumptuous to be like, Hey, we're here. Give us money. But, um, like no shade, you know, it's, it's, we're all trying to make it. We all got bills to pay and, um, everybody does what they feel is best. Um, but yeah, like I have to wait for several months just to make sure that, you know, people are new podcasters. A lot of podcasts don't last that long. Like, you know, they realize, wow, this is not super easy doing this regularly and, and keeping the quality up and then they, they disappear. Like when I was doing research before starting this podcast, um, I found a lot that only had a, a handful of episodes and then they've been gone for years. So that's just my feeling on it. Like, um I'll probably check it out and... Maybe in a few months after, you know, I've evaluated it, I will contribute. I mean, I don't contribute to every podcast I listen to, but the ones that I, that I really get a lot out of are the ones that I really, um, I really, really like are the ones that I support. So, and everybody has to make their own decision. I mean, this podcast has a handful of people who have supported off the break. So obviously people feel differently than me, but like, I really do think that you should provide value. Before you ask for something, you know, like you should give, um, and prove, prove yourself before you ask for someone to support you in some way. I, th- I was thinking about adding, uh, like a segment to the podcast about like fun facts re- I found during research. And this, I wasn't, I don't think I was even researching. I just came across this. Um, it's an article in the Atlantic about the electric flight of spiders and it's so cool. I, it's one of those things that I'm going to like file away and hopefully use at some point. Because apparently, spiders can fly hundreds of miles using electricity. And this is the, the title of the article. And they sort of, what happens is like they float on the electromagnetic waves. Um, I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen s- spiders flying, quote unquote. But... I think I've seen videos of it, maybe not in real life, but they sort of glide. And and for a long time, people just thought it was something to do with their webbing or something, but they're actually like using the electromagnetic spectrum and flying hundreds of miles on it. It's a really cool article. I'll link to it in the show notes. And it's one of those things that I can see being like, oh, is this a magic system here? Can people use this? Are they using it? I mean... I have uh, characters using Earth Song, which is my magic system, able to fly, but they're using the wind currents and they're manipulating the the air and the wind currents to kind of keep them aloft. But it would be even cooler if they were manipulating the electromagnetic spectrum in some way, which I didn't even think about. Uh, I actually do a lot of like physics research. It doesn't necessarily come through in the books. It's just, it helps inform me. Um, I, I sort of take science and then bastardize it horribly and then turn it into magic, <laughs> and so, this is one of those things that I would do, you know, like maybe, maybe there is something to this because, um, you know, earth song can manipulate nature, natural forces. It's life energy. And for me, that can extrapolate into any of the, you know, air, water, fire, um, wind. And it should, it should, um, also correspond to things inside the earth. I mean, they can create earthquakes. So, why not? Earth singer should be able to manipulate the electromagnetic spectrum of the Earth, right? It's a little late in the series to add something like that, but it's just really cool to think about. And maybe I can refine it um, in in other books in the future. There's a prequel, we're not talking about that yet, but um, on my mind. So, and in the prequel, they actually the powers are are more magnified because they're well, it's not a spoiler because this book doesn't exist yet, but. Um yeah, so maybe I can work it in. It's one of those things that's gonna be in my mind, and I'll probably do some more research and see if I can figure out something, but it stood out for me. I thought it was really cool. So up next for me, I got word from my editor's assistant that they're going to be launching book four internally. I don't have a date for book four yet, but um, I guess once they launch it, they pick the date. So I, I believe what happens when they launch a book internally is that they take it to the sales team and I'm going to do this badly because it's been a while since someone explained this to me, but they take it to the sales team and the people, you know, inside, and then they have a meeting about it. <laughs> okay. I will come back with that when I actually know what I'm talking about, but that is what I know. And so um, my editor's assistant needed the summary for book four. And so I was like, well, I've got this 11 page summary. Is that too long? How how long do you need it? Because I wouldn't want to read that either. She's like, oh, yes. And that and also a two page version. And I was like, okay, we could do that. And so uh, I think she is going to have to work on like a blurb for it to, to give to the salespeople, as far as I know. So that's exciting. Um, like I told you before, they're working on the cover for that and yeah, it's, it's in motion. So this is the first time this has happened while I've been writing it. And so it does add a layer of, oh my gosh (laughs) to it, but it's also, it's also exciting that it's, it's coming to be, you know? Um, and I think that things are going to get even busier, um, Whenever I get edits on book three, you know, I was going to have to turn that around pretty quickly because we have the date for book three and the cover is still coming for book three sometime soon. And I still have to work on the second novella, which is going to be coming this winter and revise that. I really have to work on my schedule, which is one of the reasons why I'm going to try the gluten thing, the gluten-free thing again while I'm home. So new plan not to try it when I'm traveling, because that doesn't work out. Because I know that if I had just gone and eaten the chicken fingers and fries, I would not have gotten sick. But trying to eat healthy backfired on me. And it's it's done that before. So I am into the revision. The revision so far is going well. I really enjoy this deep work um, crafting the scenes, making them... I want to say making them pretty, but it's like making them real, you know? Like the first thing I had to do, uh, a lot of it is is rewriting. So um, that first day, I think Tuesday was the first day I actually started writing from scene one and I had to completely rewrite it because what I had in my fast draft, I had figured out through my detailed revision planning process that that's not what needed to happen. Like that's not the right introduction to that character in the beginning of the book. And so... I hadn't, I had thought about what I wanted to, it to be. I pulled out my AlphaSmart, I did another fast draft of the scene, and then I immediately went to revise it. And so, whereas the true fast drafting is just AlphaSmart fast draft. Now, whenever a lot of these scenes are going to have to be rewritten from scratch, um, a lot of the other ones can be just revised and, and modified, but, um, I'll eat So I will fast draft. I, I always start with the fast draft just because it, it flows so much better. And I can separate the, um, the writing side of the brain from the editorial side of the brain, which really works for me. But I can, I can do that change immediately. So, you know, spend 20 minutes fast drafting it and then just go in and start cleaning it up and revising. And that's it. that'll take a lot longer. But as long as I just do that once. Like if I, if I need to do two scenes, I would fast draft them both do all of that in that one mindset and then switch to the editorial mindset for both of them. And sometimes um, I will do it on different days. So I would fast draft and then the next day come back and do the edits depending on my schedule and stuff like that. So that's kind of how it's working for me. And then the rest of the scenes that don't need to be rewritten from scratch, it's just um, going through. (laughs) And when I say the scenes that don't, I haven't actually gotten to a scene that didn't need to be rewritten even if this, the actions are basically the same, I do a lot of rewriting. But the close, like, I don't know what to call it, like the careful rewriting, I don't do on the on the AlphaSmart. I only do the fast draft, vomiting out, as my professor used to say, vomiting out a draft on that. And then um, the careful work where I'm sitting with my thesaurus, um, I use masterwriter.com which I highly recommend. It's paid. I don't know how much it is, but um, it's like the world's best thesaurus. It's got a huge dictionary, a synonym finder, a rhyming dictionary. People use it for songwriting and creative writing. It's got all kinds of stuff. So I have that open in a browser. The other thing I have open in a browser when I'm revising is One Stop for Writers. It's onestopforwriters.com, which is... It started as the Emotion Thesaurus, which a lot of people have heard of. So years ago, I got the books, the Emotion Thesaurus, and then the Negative Traits Thesaurus. Then they started adding, them. they have the Positive Traits Thesaurus. They have several other thesauri. And then they turned it into a website. So instead of like flipping through this book, I can search. And not only do they have those, they have Emotional Wound Thesaurus. They've got... Emotional amplifier thesaurus. They've got physical feature thesaurus, settings, shapes, symbolism, talents and skills, textures, weather, character motivation. They've got this fantastic character profile generator that um, I use and I created these thick profiles. I mean, when I was going through and having problems and having to go back and do more character work, I was going to One Stop for Writers and using their character builder tool. They've got plot builders. They've got so much. I haven't used half of the stuff they have, but the stuff that I use, I use a lot. So master writer, one stop for writers.com. Those are the things that are open in my browser. Scrivener is open. And, um, that's how I write. That's how I do the deep work revision writing. Um, And yeah, so far so good. It it takes a while, like each scene takes at least an hour and a half to two hours. Um, Some will take longer, some take a couple days. I revise it, do a pass, and then by that time, I'm probably done. So the next day I come back, reread it, do another quick pass on it, and then move on to the next one. So everything gets at least two passes. And then hopefully at the end, I go back through and do another pass. I have to stop myself from like changing words over and over and over again, because uh, I will, you know, tweak a word and then the next day come and tweak it back to the way it was before, which is insane. Um, something that has been stopping me from doing that is Scrivener's revision mode, which I never used. And then my friend told me about it and I was like, Oh, what happens is um, it, it, you put it in revision mode and you choose a color. And there's default colors there. So um, revision one, there's five by default. And so I changed the colors because I don't like to do it in red. So revision one for me is purple. So I put it in revision revision mode, and then any changes I make to the text are done in that color. So I can see the words I changed. And um then the next the next pass, I'll put it in revision two and say that color is orange. So I can see the purple changes, I can see the orange changes, and you can do that as you as you go through the passes and so that way it prevents me from changing a word like he walked towards the building and then I'll be like oh no he walked to the building you know and then I want to change it back and next week so he walks towards the building these are like the little ridiculous things I do that I who has time for that like it doesn't matter nobody cares um and the copy editor's going to change it anyway because I always use the wrong towards is it toward or towards and whatever one I choose is wrong and the copy editor changes it so um But like, it's just like weird word changes that don't matter. And so using the revision mode has helped me not to obsess about those kind of things when I really need to focus on the story. And um, whether or not I get a a line edit or regardless of the quality of the copy edit, like the reader doesn't care whether it's towards or (laughs) to, And I don't really care either. I'm just like, it's just my mind firing too many times. So those are all, it's like a lot. (laughs) That's what's happening with me. So I will be revising for the foreseeable future, and um, making this into a real book that other people can read. And um, I feel I feel good. It's scary. It is still scary because it's never going to be this this shining vision in your head. It's never going to be that way. But I'm trying to make it a, the best thing I can. You know. So that's it for me for this week. It's been a full week of ups and downs. This week had its own plot line, you know, its own dark moment. And then the resolution happened and we're here. So I will talk to you next week. Until then, happy reading. For episode show notes and to learn more about me and my books, go to lpenelope.com. Subscribe to My Imaginary Friends wherever you get your podcasts and check out the video episodes on YouTube. And please leave a rating and review to help support the show.